0: Welcome to the Commodity Culture Podcast, where we interview prominent investors in the commodity space to give you the inside scoop on the emerging commodity super cycle. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Commodity Culture, where we break down the commodity space for both new and experienced investors. Before we get started, standard disclaimer, nothing here is investing advice. Do your own due diligence. And today on the show, we have Chart Trader and co-founder of NorthStarBadCharts.com to educate us on technical analysis, Mr. Patrick Karim. Welcome to the program.
1: Hello. Hello, Jesse. I'm not sure about educate, but uh, I'll definitely try to... uh... To to shine some light there on the value of of charts or to remove all that that noise uh, and fear that's going around.
0: Great. Well, before we dive into that, I like to start off with everybody's origin story when I have a new guest on the show. Um, So how did you discover investing? What is the road that led you from there to where you are today? And specifically, how did you get attracted to charts and technical analysis?
1: Well, I remember, like when I was maybe 11, 12, Like our parents used to put money money aside, and then I don't know I had maybe a, a few thousand dollars. I don't know how much. It was in the late eighties, and then uh, my my mother, my parents were divorced when I was twelve. My my mother's boyfriend he he was aware of uh, uh, mutual funds, investing money. He, like he was all into that stuff, and he told my mother, he says Your kid has money. He shouldn't just leave in the bank. Uh, he should try to. To invest it and like i didn't know anything back then and we, they put it in a it was the mid 90s or something before the tech bubble and they put all in the uh, technology internet mutual fund there whatever it was back in the days and then that just that just went up and well it was a good first experience that money permitted me to buy my first house when i was i forget what how old i was in 2001 when i was 25 i bought a house that was the down payment all that stuff just because of but that was just pure luck right they put in the fund it was the bull market just starting in U.S. equities in the in the tech bubble, and I sold it. Yeah, when I bought my house in 2001, actually I probably cashed out when that thing was topping. Pure luck. I need to buy a house when I was 25 to add a motorcycle, and I wanted the garage to put a motorcycle in. I was tired of leaving it outside, so actually I bought a garage that had a house attached to it, and that was that. Then years later, I started the consulting in the IT world, making a little bit more money, and then I said, "Man, I have to to start investing that." But like a lot of people, I Googled and I fell on the penny stock forums. It's like the analogy I say, if ever you go on vacation, you go to Paris, you get off the airport, they bring you to Champs-Élysées, those restaurants, the first ones are tourist traps. They might be good restaurants, but the ones are going to pay more expensive. They'll they'll, they'll rush you. They just next, next, next. They don't care about you. The real restaurants and niche restaurants are hidden in, in in an alley where only... Friends you make over there after years, they'll tell you, Patrick, this is a good restaurant. I know the owners, that's better. So that's what happens to so a lot of people who have money and say, I have to invest. They hear about other people making money. They Google, they fall into the penny stock scams. They go in the forums, they don't look at TA. They're buying in fear of missing out. Oh, Bitcoin's at 65,000. I'm buying it. Michael Saylor's saying it's going to a million. How could I go wrong? This guy, he's telling me he has a reputation. And, but people, if they would have looked at the chart, they would have said, oh my God, I'm stretched from the moving average. I've been in a 10-year bull run. This thing is due to, to correct, top, and then we'll see after that. So I got super, super lucky in my initial advancements. Well, like my penny stock, uh, all the crap I used to buy. It's like super lucky I didn't get wiped out many, many times. And then after that, I read a book called uh, from uh, Stan Weinstein called Secrets of Profiting in Bull and Bear Markets. And... Then he, in his first chapters, he says, "Look, nobody wanted casino stocks back in the early '80s. They, they, people said the fundamentals suck, but he saw in the charts that they were basing the price action was basing the moving averages were turning up. That means the price action was above the moving averages." He says, "I'm, I'm going long for in these stocks while everybody, mainstream, whatever, they said, don't touch that." And he, he always made the, the fact that. The ticker, the top left could be bananas, ABC, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If the chart's telling you it's a buy, it, it's a buy. Don't wait for the media to confirm what you want because after that, you're a victim. Because after that, what, if the, the media is always going to be able to spin the, the news everywhere. which way to get clickbaits. Can you trade on that? Like on one day, they say, oh, it's the end of the world. The next day, they say it's the, 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 best, the best day. Like how, how the hell are you going to trade that? How are you going to ride a 10-year meaningful trend if your your trading framework is listening, waiting for CNBC to tell you to do something, you know? And that's another thing I learned from the mutual fund guys. They never tell you to sell, never. It's like, I, I put a poll out on Twitter. I ask people, did you ever, did, does your financial advisor call you and tell you, hey guys, uh, look, the, the price action's stopping. You should sell, you know? So they never do that. It's like, that should give you some big, big warning signals. Hold on. They don't, t- they tell me when to buy. They never tell me when to sell, how do I figure this stuff out? And the only way to do it is uh, using charts. So that's where I am today. I, so after writing, reading Stan Weinstein, then after that, that was fine. I would open the, the gateways. And then I started observing, doing my own observations, uh, testing different technical indicators, like going through the whole range until you find something that fits your emotional profile. Some people, they like short short day, day trading, scalping, fine. I like more bigger picture. I want to be able to ride those long, meaningful trends. So then you adapt. You have to be really comfortable with your trading framework. But uh, yeah, I just didn't want to get wiped out. And with chart trading, you're able to apply sound risk and money management. I don't know how you could do it with anything else, but applying risk and money management for chart, it's easy because you have an entry price. You have a sell stop. That's your potential loss. Then you have a reward based on classical chart trading. You have measured moves. So now I know that I could lose one and win eight. That's great even if i'm right one one time out of 3 i still make tons of money because i'll get eight versus losing one every single time you can't do that with fundamentals like how i don't know how people could have these parameters without looking at a chart you know knowing exactly when you want to exit when it's time to exit on the profit or on the sell stop when to enter charts answer all those questions
0: that was a great breakdown, and you kind of partially answered my next question, which is why is technical analysis so important? But maybe you could bring up uh, the chart you were speaking of or, or another chart just to kind of give us some examples of, of how you use technical analysis.
1: Let's do it interactive, guys. Nothing better than a little show and tell interactively. I have here the gold versus SPX chart, and I'm just going to put it on the monthly chart. I'll remove all indicators, clean it up. On the line chart, so essentially, when you once you've identified two major asset classes, let's say gold, which represents uh, purchasing power destruction commodities complex, and SPX, which is even if it has sectors that represent commodities in it, it's heavily weighted. It's like five or ten percent is energy commodities, basic materials, very low. It's mostly growth stocks, price to earnings expansion, etc. So when you I look at that chart, then let's say I overlay the AZA chart. AZA is the Precious Metals Fund, the miners, gold and silver miners, and it's one of the oldest ones. Nobody talks about it. People talk about JDX, all that. Look at that! Look how well it tracks the. Look at that! It tracks the capital flows of gold to SPX. So it doesn't matter if gold to SPX chart is going up because gold is going less, or it's going down less than SPX, right? Because the ratio could go up if SPX if gold goes down less than SPX, then that ratio is going to go up. It just tracks the flows. And you could see over the years, the amplitudes, yes, are different, but the direction, look at that, the, the 2000 bottom here, the direction is the same. So I don't need, if I'm a CEO of a company or anybody who wants to invest in precious metal sectors, all the news you'll see, oh, they drilled a hole. It's It's the next bonanza. It does not matter because that same drill result could have happened here. It could have happened here at the at the end of a 10-year run of gold outperforming SPX. I'll minimize here. So here is gold outperforming SPX from 2000 all the way to 2012, 13, until gold broke down here. You could have had the, these great news, but if, if that great news is happening below this line, the sleep mode line, it's not gonna drive the price as much, or it's probably gonna be dismissed. There are exceptions. There's Kirkland Lake gold. There's a whole bunch of like these exceptional, but most of the stocks in the precious metal sectors will not move favorably, no matter what the news is, if it's on the wrong side of, of this trend line. And here's the next one. This is the one we I've been looking at. This one here and this one here. So I'm going to minimize again the gold and silver miners. Here is where the gold versus SPX chart is, uh, Jesse. It's super close to tempting a breakout of this, this line here. This is the equivalent of the, the the bull run that started in the early 2000s when the U.S. equities were rolling over because of inflation, because of blah, blah, blah. The capital flows going into gold instead of SPX. We're back here. We're back at these levels. And even the 60s here, I could draw this line here. There's one here. There's a less slanted one here. You can't see that without the charts. Tell, who, who can see that without the charts? Like, I don't know how they how they do it. They're the magicians. You could change it like, but here, what I know is, until this line is broken, stay clear of gold and silver miners, guys. There's, it, it, I don't care about the stories. This until this line is closed, the probabilities of a sustained move in your gold and silver miners will be subdued. And I could even overlay here the the uranium, ure, the, the uranium miners. Same thing. Look at that. It tracks it. Gold uranium tracks it here. See, it's trying to go up. It's not quite doing it yet. So, all these sectors, they're going to go ballistic, uranium, anything that's real, like it drops on your foot, it's something real. They're all going to go nuts once gold breaks out versus SPX. So, that's how you have to leverage that. Understand the pyramid, asset class, where the flow's going. Don't fight those. These are macro tidal waves that change every. Here's another one. Here was the dot, the. the crash of uh, a twenty twenty nine gold started outperforming SP- uh, SPX back then. Even if gold was pegged, I could have done this versus uh, silver. It was not pegged or versus oil. The chart would have looked the same. We're back at historical low levels. Look, we're back here where the same levels where it broke out in the nineteen seventies in favor of gold. Here was a dot com bubble, super exaggerated, of U.S. equities outperforming gold. So we're right here. All we have to do now is wait until that breaks out to the upside and then buy the dips but look there's so much there's so much uh, there's other evidence that the US equities by themselves are starting to severely roll over here i have my 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 heat heat map i have a whole bunch of moving averages a spectrum here's here's a 700 day moving average here's a nasdaq just going up so the moving average essentially i could remove the price action and I'll remove the shorter moving averages just to remove noise. So I had the the 50-day moving average all the way to 700-day. So when they're all going up, when the shorter-term moving averages are able to outpace the longer-term moving averages, going uptrend—that's beautiful. You ride that. But once these the shorter-term moving average start going below, cascading through the other moving averages, and now they're starting to all go below the longer-term moving average, it's sirenara. This is game over. This this chart. I'll show you. I did it here for my uh, on Twitter. Here is actually the SPX divided by, by producer price index for the inflation. I don't know how people I see people how they, they they think we're not in a like a epic bear market because this this triangle here. This is a 2008 market. I just did a triangle to um, frame all that range of moving averages I showed you on the other chart. I just here I did line here go up here here. I just took that exact frame, exact size. I overlaid on the two thousand one, two thousand one, same type of pattern, uh, just more elongated. Lasted longer than the two thousand eight crash. And right now, we're kind of tracking what happened in two thousand eight. Here, are my shorter term moving a- shorter term moving averages, longer term, they're tracking pretty much what the momentum, the velocity, of the two thousand eight crash. It could change. It could be maybe go like two thousand one. It, it could turn back up and. Go back above this line here, and then it's over, guys. Uh, Bear market's over. But as long as all those moving averages stay within that expanding, descending triangle, the bear market rallies are just that. They're bear market rallies. So don't let yourself influence, guys, by CNBC. There's an 8% update in Bitcoin. Oh, it's back on. It all depends when that is happening. If Bitcoin was correcting and going up 10%, but on the other side, of this of this red line you're not the moving averages are not below it they're above like here bitcoin like uh, originally in 2011 any of one of these pullbacks towards that red line fine buy by by the dips the, that's a great opportunity to to buy it but now they're happening on the wrong side and because the price is below these moving averages they're their resistance so you have less probabilities. And that's what charts are about. They're not about absolutes and predicting forecasting to the perfection of the future. It's just that these are increasing the probabilities that any price action going up will get subdued and get back down. Just like here was the inverse. As these shorter term moving averages were catching up or letting that longer term moving average catch up, that longer term moving average was actually serving as support. So it was, you were on the good side. All these were great, great buying opportunities for the NASDAQ, but n- not anymore, guys. It's it's totally breaking down. We're back. I'll put the SPX. We have more data. Reset chart. We're back here, guys. It's starting to uh, to turn over. Here is nominally the SPX. So it's still looking. It's still above its long, long-term moving averages. The price is starting to dwell below but adjusted for inflation and that's the big cause that's the producer price index that's what breaks down us equities it's just a new cycle of inflation so the us equities start breaking down versus inflation then that money the growth the growth stocks suffer i don't know the price to earnings whatever the fundamentals they they start shrinking the margins everything costs more they're selling less stuff all, all that fundamental stuff a symptom of the price action then eventually whatever those pension fund managers, those hedge fund managers, all these guys are going to have to, they're looking at their numbers and say, oh my, like, I have to allocate money to something else, right? And then they'll look at outperforming asset classes, energy, uh, commodity, the metals, and then just a little bit of money goes in there, doesn't go into the SPX. And the SPX might afloat, might come back normally a little bit afloat, but you'll notice it's the sector's the basic material sectors, the energy sectors, which grow, which help nominally keep the, the SPX afloat. But we might start a bear market in US equities where 5% is in basic materials or in energy. And by the end, we might be at 8 or 10%. And that helps nominally keep afloat the, the US equities.
0: So if we're going to see this extended bear market in the broader equities, um what should investors be doing now? Should they be sticking to cash and precious metals? Um, or are there any sectors that still present an opportunity here?
1: Well, what created the transition from SPX breaking down versus producer price index, it was the energy play, right? The energy, the creating the inflation, the, the extra cost for all those, uh, those consumer goods that you guys buy that are produced uh, and seen in the producer price index. The tankers look, look great. The oil tankers, they're coming out of huge bases. So that was a great play that started all the way back. Even to today, it was consolidation. So they they're still looking pretty good. Uh, the dollar was great also. If you did to to hold while the the capital flows are leaving growth stocks, gotta go back to that first chart, guys. Don't pull the trigger too early. Wait for gold to actually break out versus SPX, and then then you'll be all your miners, even the the ones with no mining permits, they'll look great, guys. It doesn't matter. It's like. All the, the money is going to be sloshing in everywhere. We're going to have our Michael Saylor one day. I don't know who's going to represent the precious metal sector, but one day we'll have some crazy guy and uh, or Catty Woods talking about precious metals, like the next best best thing. It's going to happen one day, but not now, maybe in 10 years when we, we start peaking. Right now, people throw rocks at us when we talk. When I tell them my crazy targets for gold and silver, people they, they, they say, Patrick, metals suck. Yes, they do suck, but they will not suck as soon as they break out versus the SPX.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Sentiment is very low um, on the precious metals. So what when do you I know this is obviously impossible to to predict, but approximately when do you see the 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 reversal happening according to the technical analysis you're you're doing? In two
1: thousand one, two thousand eight, when NASDAQ broke down and closed below its three year moving average, Look, like it took one to three months for the for gold to bottom and then decide to go the other way around. Uh, right now, like you saw the SPX chart, where they're starting to close and staying close below their three-year moving averages. So, uh, And you saw how close we are, the gold to SPX ratio, like we're hogging the line. So each of those candles was a monthly close. So do we need one more month, two more months, three more months? We're, I'd say we're a few months away from closing above that important breakout line. Uh, we just don't know, but we're, we're within striking range right now. It's not like we're super far away from a breakout line. And Patrick, what are you talking about? It could be years. Now we're super close. So we just have to wait until that breaks out. But it, it, yeah, I'd say months for now, but just keep an eye on the chart. I'm just looking at the chart. If the, the price action goes down and decides not to break out, there's no... Uh, this is a the basic premise of chart trading, guys. All these roadmaps, these targets, a chart pattern is only a chart pattern once it completes before it completes it's a possible let's say it says it's a possible rising channel possible triangle whatever these fancy names you got it's it's nothing it's just morphing into existence we're observing that the price action is respecting a horizontal line resistance it's respecting a support line until it closes above that line the market has told us nothing it's just telling us i'm basing so all these targets all times to reach those implied measure moves all that stuff gets enacted once we close above the line so yes, I don't know, I'm guessing three months before gold breaks out of SPX, but that's not the measure to judge the, the forecast. The forecast is once we close above that breakout line, then check it out, go to a, a, for a successful bull run. If we don't get a successful bull run after we close above that breakout line, and it does happen they call that false breakouts, but the odds of, are lower than having a sustained run. And it's all about using TA there to be on the right side of those probabilities.
0: So what is your view on the oil and gas sector as we sit here today? You, you already talked about energy, oil tankers. Um, but in terms of the long-term picture, maybe from a more fundamental standpoint as well as technical, because I believe hydrocarbon use is only going to increase and not decrease in the years ahead. Um, so what, what are you seeing in the oil sector long-term?
1: Well, yeah, I did some long-picture charts. So for, for, gold, for oil, eh, like... I wouldn't be surprised to see $300 barrel of oil, maybe $800 later on. But you can't be impressed by those numbers because essentially they're just printing, adding zeros. Oil, oil a barrel, I don't know, used to be under a dollar. Then after that was $20. Then after that, it's over $100. So I'm just adding zeros magnitude, but it's not the end of the world, right? They're just printing more money. They're just adding zeros to stuff. What you got to look more is more like a ratio of how oil is expensive to, let's say, gold. And that's when, let's say, the price of something is stretched versus the price of something else. That's when you have stresses in the system. If oil price goes up too fast, too high, uh, versus, let's say, the, the gold price, then you could say, oh, something something's going to break. There's a lack of liquidity in the markets or it's sucking out too much money in a, via inflation. And then it breaks down. The price of oil goes down. And then until it gets uber low, like in the March Madness of 2020, the ratios were telling you, man, it was screaming oil was cheap, not just a nominal price, but versus all the other asset classes, historically, it was a great time. Uh, so oil has a bright future. And guys, again, somebody says $300, people, they, if you don't have a chart in front of you to see the, 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 the zigzags, of course, a human's going to think a straight line. And then oil goes to let's say 100. It goes down to 60. Oh, Patrick, you told me 300. Well, support and resistance lines all over the place. Price action goes up. It tests a new plateau. Fine. There's resistance. Price action goes back down to test the previous plateau. Oh, it holds. Oh, that's support. I guess this is a new plateau. And then price action goes up. So over like 10 years, yeah, 300 oil, uh, no problem. I don't know about the fundamentals. Again, the all the same stories we could have today, if I would have placed them at a different moment in these cycles of capital flows, the price action could have uh, been subdued or accentuated because I'm pretty sure in 2011, 11, 12, people were talking about $5,000 gold and it just wasn't meant to be because it was already starting to break down versus U.S. equities. The ratios were stretched in favor of uh, precious metals or oil versus U.S. equities. It was just the pendulum swing. The move was done, guys. So no matter if people say, oh, Greece default in 2011, gold has to go up, it's the end of the world. I actually don't like hearing about bullish fundamentals for oil. I don't like hearing that there's going to be less or there's a production cliff or whatever you want to call it. I don't like hearing that stuff. I want the price action to go up when there's only bearish news. Let's keep the bullish news for the blow off top at the end.
0: So I wanted to ask you about uranium. Uh, What what do the technicals look like? like for you there? Because I know you're saying that, you know, you don't want to hear the, the good news, what you what you want to look at is the charts. And what do the charts say? But the fundamentals for uranium right now just seem to be getting better day by day. And again, that's looking at the headlines, of course, but I do feel like it hasn't caught on in the broader investment community, like there's not a ton of institutional investment, et cetera. From a technical perspective, um, h- how do you view uranium right now?
1: Well, uranium is, is super powerful because it, it broke out. Uranium, the metal, the the Sprout uranium physical trust broke out versus SPX, broke out versus the Nasdaq. It's front leading gold on many aspects. The charts, they just they, they look great with huge bases. Uh, a lot of the miners they broke out. Now they're consolidating above rising three moving averages. Uh, I don't know if the consolidation is done yet, but they seem recently. I've, I've looked, they started uh, waking up from their pull flags, so it's it's a pattern where you explode out of the base, then you consolidate sideways above support. They're trying to to try to do another leg up. That would be awesome if it would coincide with gold actually breaking out. The timing of gold breaking out versus SPX, like you said, that institutional investment will start coming into the uranium even more in a more substantial way once gold breaks out versus SPX. Uranium it's candy what it did right now like it's going to go it's going to go ballistic the chart of Cameco from 2001 and even the, the uranium chart from 2001 to 2007 i don't know when like 50 months in a row it went up or quarters like it was totally bonanza when once the money of the flow started coming in and i'll mention this uranium and oil at the beginning of a bull market in commodities they're the fastest runners from 2001 to two, they actually peaked so in 2007, uranium and oil peaked first, then they crashed in 2008 crisis. And when they tried to rally again, they I, they, didn't, they did not marginal new highs or they weren't able to really go in 2011, go much above their 2007, while gold and silver, they're more the closers. You know, gold opens the spigots, and then it lets all the friends run loose crazy. And gold and silver love closing up the show at the end of the, the precious metals bull era. So yeah, uranium, uh, definitely a, a strong horse in the, the the commodity complex, once the uh, the valves open, there it's going to be great. And you're right. That's another thing we have to nuance. There's news, but let's say you're a uranium aficionado, and you're oh, I love uranium fundamentals. But you're right. Until CNBC talks about it, is it really contrarian news to play? You know, it's uh, like until there's a Michael Saylor saying he has the green uranium eyes instead of the uh, the laser eyes, then we're we're good, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that makes sense. I like that. Um, are there any other commodities out there right now that are catching your eye that you're bullish on?
1: Uh, sugar. Sugar has been uh, one of my favorites. It's super inflation sensitive. It, it looks super strong cycle. So it, it broke out of a base. Now it's consolidating above uh, moving averages. Uh, that thing's gonna look good. And uh, yeah, the ones that didn't go parabolic yet, they all go. If I would, I, I did a chart one time. I, I put all commodities on one chart from 1970s. And they all have their cycles where they love to, to spike. Your trick is to find one that hasn't spiked yet, which nobody's talking about. Sugar's one of them. Coffee spiked a while back. Now it's like uh, they say it's crashing while it's going back down. So you, you want to avoid that because whenever you have a parabolic melt up and down, you need a magnitude of time to wipe out all these. Pre- That's why people like when they see a crash at 70% in Bitcoin, they think it's going to V-shape recovery like that. No, it, it takes a magnitude of time because all those guys I bought at 50 60 50 40 30000 as soon as the price goes up to that level they're going to want to cash out break even so now they could tell their wife they didn't lose any money right so until those guys are out of the picture you don't want to go there so yeah for commodities uh i, I like sugar a lot there because it's it's the next one on the uh, launching platform
0: Fascinating! This is the first time we've discussed sugar on this program, so that, that's awesome. Now, um, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been an amazing conversation. Uh, for for those viewers who want to hear more from you, um, could you let them know about your service, North Star and Bad Charts, and, and anywhere else they can find you online?
1: Well, guys, Bad Charts one on Twitter. All that stuff's free. Big picture charts, a whole bunch of stuff. Like if you're new to chart trading. Go go through my feed, the chat, ask me questions, tr- troll me if you want on my bad the my, my bad calls, and I'll, I'll be more willing like to explain what the what chart trading is, what the basic premise is, because often we like when Max Kaiser says it's astrology for men, it's like it's not stars buying stocks, it's humans buying star like stocks, human greed, all that stuff. It's it hasn't changed in thousands of years. Our human and greed cycles so. I love explaining that stuff so people can understand why chart trading works. You know, past behavior is will give you hindsight uh, foresight in the future for the probabilities. And yeah, we have the website NorthstarBadCharts.com, which uh, I co-founded with uh, Kevin Wadsworth, the Northstar Charts on Twitter, you could follow him there, and uh, yeah, you could come and check out our website. But uh, yeah, start with all the the free stuff on Twitter, guys. There's enough there for 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 you guys.
0: Great. Well, I'll put links in the description below to your Twitter and uh, North Star Bad Charts website as well. And looking forward to having you back on again in the future to continue the conversation.
1: It'd be an honor, Jesse. Uh, thanks for having me on. Commodity Culture is a podcast that covers investing
0: in commodities and natural resources. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe so you are always alerted of the latest episodes.